You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezrus Hashem, as we're coming up on the Chag of Shavuos, one of the stranger elements or one of the elements of the Chag that causes for a pause in thought is the fact that on the time of Torah, in the time of intellectual precision, in the time of the sobriety of thought, we celebrate the yard site of two tzaddikim, David Malka Mashicha, David Amelech, as well as Rav Yisrael Baal Shem Tov. Now, Rav Hutner picked up on this seemingly historic discrepancy when he pointed out that it's strange that while the Baal Shem Tov seems to have represented the revolution of a personal engagement with the vulnerability of self and prayer and emotional development for the sake of uncovering godliness in this world, when so many people had found the path of intellectualism to be limited to them with no other resources to find God, comes along the Baal Shem Tov and he uncovers the hidden pathways in the heart, the Mesilas Belevavam, that teaches an individual to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the self, through the Tfilah HaMesameda Shel HaNeshama, through the perpetual prayer of the soul, as Rav Kook describes it. The inner workings of the self, whether they be murmuring in the heart, whether they be expressed in the inaudible cry of the voice, or whether they be iterated through the powerful tool of language and the letters themselves. Tefillah was an openness to the vulnerability of what it means to be a Ben Adam in this world who needs God at every moment. And it was out of this nearly existential need and desire for connection that the Baal Shem Tov revealed this transvaluation where that which appeared to be lowest Evan Masu Haboinim, that stone that was despised by the builders because it appeared to be devoid and deficient of intellectual content, but rather rooted in simplistic faith and prayer and emotional intensity with godliness, that was suddenly transformed to be the very crown of the king's crown, the highest point of Avodah Hashem imaginable. But what the Baal Shem Tov seemingly engaged, and we can take seriously the historical transmission of these ideas, because in spite of the fact that they don't represent the fundamental truth of what was taking place, they are still the Ramazim and the passages that we have to understand how Hashem allows the Torah to unfold throughout history, as he did with the Baal Shem Tov, and as we're going to see with the Vilna Gun as well. So it's quite a surprise when we find that the Baal Shem Tov, who prepared the world for the power of vulnerability, a willingness to be the self as the self in the face of godliness, to feel what it means to be a mispalel, to feel the need to daven at every second, to allow oneself to feel that. Seemingly, we would expect his yard site to be on a day associated with that type of vulnerability of prayer. But lo and behold, the Baal Shem Tov's yard site is on Shavuos. Shavuos represents the sobriety of thought, the intensity and the precision of the intellect in its attempt to rationalize and grasp the, the content and the shape of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows creation to unfold as rooted in the Torah itself. The razor-sharp mind represented by the Lamdin and the capacity to create very fine distinctions in what appears to be the self-same content, to create barriers and unifying barriers between barriers, 
demands a precision and an intensity of the mind, something associated not with the Balshemto. So why is it that for the Balshemto, who represented the vulnerability of self and the power of prayer, is celebrated with his yard site, the Yuma de Histalkusa, the day of his departure from this world, the day of a real expression of the quintessence of what the Balshemto was offering, as it is by all of the tzaddikim, seemingly it's strange that it ends up in the time of Shavuos, the giving of the Torah. And Rafutner, in pointing this discrepancy out, also shows, as it always is true in Kedusha, in the history of Kedusha, as well as the content of Kedusha, that it's a mitkala, like the Vilna Gon points out, based on the Safra Ditzniusa, that the entire world is a balanced set of scales, and what appears on one side in one expression is going to appear on the other side in the same expression. Here we're not talking about zelu umaseh, good versus bad, but the double-sided nature of good itself. Chesed and gvura, water and fire, expressivity and constriction, ratza v'shov. Mati Velomati, Torah and Tvila, Torah Shabbat, Torah Shabbat, Zachar Nekeva, Shemesh and Levana, all of the binaries that are fundamentally necessary to engage in the fullness of the ideas of Kedusha are obviously going to be expressed in things as big as the art side of the Balshemtov. And so if the Balshemtov represents the vulnerability of prayer, yet his art side is in the sobriety and intensity of thought associated with Shavuos and Torah, Rafutner points out that we find the same switch, the same transformation, and the seemingly backwards thinking with regards to the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon, who as history, as HaKadosh Baruch who desired it to manifest, the Vilna Gon and the Balshemtov, who represented two elements of a singular truth, which at certain historical moments appeared to be in a real sense of disagreement between one another in order to allow one to express itself in the fullness that it needed, the secret of a yichud bibatisha, the unification that takes place by the collision between two things that allows each one to develop itself in a furthering strength, which would not have been possible without the hisnagdas to chasidus or the chasidus within hisnagdas. And so the Rav Hutner, who famously straddled both sides of this fence very well, says not only do we find this reversal by the Balshemto, but we find it by the Vilnagon as well. The Vilnagon, whose path represented the severity of thought, the precision of the mind, the capacity of a razor-sharp distinction-making, lumdis, the secret where the mind itself becomes a chefsa of Torah, as the Grizz describes, that we would assume that the Vilna Gon, in his razor-sharp attention to detail on every level, descent into the prate pratim, as we know from the Torah of the Grah, we would assume that his yard site would be associated with something severe, something precise, like the Torah that he lived. But we find, as Rav Hutner points out, is that his yard site is on Sukkis, which is a time of joy, vulnerability, tefillah, crying out to God from a place of temporal awareness of the transiency of all things. So Rav Hutner points out, as is typically true in Kedusha with the crisscross of ideas, where one feeds into the other in their delicately held opposition that upholds one another, that we find by the Bashemto, who represents tefillah, his yard site is on Torah. And the Vilna Gon, who represents Torah, his yard site is on Tefillah and Simcha. And so in order to understand one small element of this conversation, we can spend a lot of time discussing it, but I want to utilize a little bit of, of a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov with regards to what the Torah is, so that we can begin to better understand what Shavuos might represent for an individual. The Baal Shem Tov quotes a famous Gemara that says, If only you would leave me and keep hold of my Torah. Meaning to say that if you need to let go of me, as God says, you might come to forget me. You might come to forget me. Hashem understands his people just as his people understand Hashem. When Hashem came to Adam HaRishon in Gan Eden, after the Chet of the Eitz Adas, as Rav Tzadok makes famous this Medrash, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God says to Adam, he says, Achalta, did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Did you fail? Did you transgress? Did you make a mistake? And with the chutzpah and the brazenness that only Adam Arishon could have had, he says, Achalti va'ochel od. I ate and I'm going to eat more. Meaning to say that I understand my position as a human being in this world. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not give the Torah to Malachi Hasharis. Hashem gave the Torah to B'nai Adam, which is the essential secret of Shavuos. And B'nai Adam and human beings are susceptible to failure. Not susceptible, it's part and parcel of the very fabric of our own becoming. The emergence of selfhood, the emergence of subjectivity, is the emergent patterns that come from a system of pre-organized cataclysms that are deliberate by nature. The Shvira, the Tzimtzum, etc., and so HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, there might come a time where you're going to let go of me, where you might not hold on to me in the way that you need to. But at least in those times of distance, hold on to the Torah. Hold on to the Torah. Halavai, it should only be so good that when you leave me, you hold on to my Torah. Now, the way this is typically understood, which we're going to kind of skip over in spite of the fact that it demands all of the attention, is of the power of the Torah, that the Torah can't be separated by God. And so what God is describing is the nature of the Torah. You think you can leave me, you can't leave me. If you're connected to the Torah, I'm there as well, and everything is Torah. And so Hashem is describing the power of Torah, that even if you leave the giver of the Torah, the power of the Torah will return you back to the inherent connection that you seek and desire with the giver of the Torah. But we're going to look at a different teaching from the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov says as follows, Halavai oisi azvu. In the end of the day, you are going to leave me. What does leave me here mean? Zakta Bal Shemtov, leave me means that the human being, the mind and its limitations, will never have a full and complete grasp of godliness, will never have a full and complete certitude of the existence or the presence or the engagement of the infinite in reality and in my life. There will never be a time where the human mind is capable of understanding godliness in its essence, a word, a verb that implies a certain grasp of something, the capacity to stand under it, the impossibility of full understanding, what the Mekubalim and all of the tzaddikim referred to as the interdiction against the belief that one can grasp the essence of things. But on a more practical way, it represents the quest for certainty in this world, the desire to have some semblance of a ground that I can stand upon with absolute certainty, pure knowledge, the quest of the human being ever since the frightful pushed out of Gan Eden experience. From the moment of leaving that certainty of self that transcended self-awareness in Gan Eden, the human mind has perpetually been seeking the, the comfort and the constancy of certitude. And what Kaddish Baruch Hu is telling us with Halavai Oisi Azvu, in the end of the day, the human being will come to the recognition that no matter how far along the rungs of spiritual awareness we can ascend, there will always be a gap, there will always be a distance, whether it be irreducible, whether it be infinitesimal, it is infinite in its nature. It is the distance that will exist between the human being's capacity to have a full grasp of anything to know the thing in itself in any type of way, because everything is a reflection of God. And just as God is completely removed from our capacity to grasp in any absolute essential way, therefore the same halacha is applied to nearly everything or everything in one's life that one cannot know anything with certainty. It's not a symptom of being imperfect, or rather it's not a symptom of some fall that led to imperfection, but rather it is a feature of the very nature of imperfection that rests at the core of the self. We can't know God fully. 
My faith, my, my expression, says HaKadosh Baruch, will always be above the refinement of your mind and your attempt to grasp the essence. And so Halavai Oisi Azlu, in the end of the day, keep in mind, in the end, at the apex of the system, at the apex of experience, you will come to a place of not knowing me. You will not grasp me. You will not have a full control of me. And so what the Baal Shem Tov points out here, it's a fundamental truth. If I live with this awareness, that in the end of the day, perfection is removed from me, that in the end of the day, full awareness is removed from me, the possibility of absolute transcendence and ascendance to a place beyond any susceptibility to failure, God forbid, is something that is not the right of the human being. And Adarabah, it's a mistaken belief system. As we've spoken about how perfect is not a notion that can be found really anywhere in Yiddishkeit in any real way. Shlemus is the willingness to act as if I'm in a state of perfection as I'm aware of the fact that nothing is perfect other than God. That's Shlemus. But absolute perfection, Hashem is saying it's, it's, it's impossible. You're not going to have grasp. You're not going to find that center point to stand upon with absolute certainty. And a person might say, if that's the case, then why even try? Why try and formulate systems of thought? Why try and formulate defense mechanisms, frames through which I approach reality? My thought processes, both with the negative thought distortions that develop over time, as well as the healthy thought systems that operate for the person, the darche amuna, the sheer coma of one's mind. Why make an attempt to try and study ideas? Why make an attempt to learn the Torah? Why make an attempt to uncover and to seek? Why make an attempt to try if in the end of the day, trying is going to be revealed to be simply an attempt that is doomed, God forbid, to a certain sense of failure as long as we're stuck in this exilic mind of perfection. And so the Baal Shem Tov, very aware of the tendency to fall into a, a, a laughter of Zarathustra type nihilistic approach. Nothing is valuable. Nothing is meaningful. I can't grasp anything. I might as well let go of any attempt to grasp anything at all and live a life of quiet desperation without any attempt to move forward or to live in this abundant state of, of spacelessness without limitation as if I can't know anything. So I might as well just accept on simple premise, this infinite sense of godliness devoid of any concepts of Torah or any power of limitation. And so what the Baal Shem Tov is saying, in the end of the day, you're going to leave me. I'm sorry, in the end, you're going to leave me, but you should keep my Torah. You're going to leave me in the end of the day. You're not going to have a grasp of me. But it's Kedai, says the Baal Shem Tov, to attempt at every moment, at every moment of one's grasp in this world, both cognitively, psychologically, in terms of studying Torah, in terms of davening, in spite of the fact that a person knows that I will come to a place of not knowing. As Rabbi Nachman quotes often, the apex of thought is to come to a place of not knowing. In spite of the fact that I have that built into the very genetic framework of myself, because Moshe Rabbeinu was told this, I wanted to see the face, says Moshe, and Hashem says, you're not allowed. We've said over so many times, the Leshem says, why do we learn this from Moshe? Because if it was anyone but Moshe, we would have attributed this limitation on absolute grasp of godliness and human perfection to the symptoms of that individual's behavior. No individual in the world is, is refined to the degree that Moshe Rabbeinu was refined. And so the Leshem says, we learn this interdiction and prohibition against grasping the essence specifically from Moshe to show us that it's a feature rather than a bug. 
that this is the very condition of what it means to be a human being in this world as a creation, that the law is beaten into every element of the fiber of existence and the fabric of ourselves, that one cannot grasp absolute perfection. The only absolute perfection is godliness. The closest thing to absolute perfection is the acceptance of the impossibility of reaching the perfection of godliness. Because in that place, a person can learn the secret of Ezehu Ashir HaSameach Bechelko. And so the Baal Shem Tov is saying, in spite of the fact that you're going to come to that place, learn every piece of information, engage in every experience, live deeply in life, study every aspect of the Torah, and allow each and every aspect of the Torah, each and every attempt at mastery, each and every attempt at our capacity to hold everything with certainty or to know the Torah, to use each and every word of Torah, each and every concept as a vehicle through which we can go through the process of knowing, 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 trying to know, trying to know, trying to know, and then coming to that place of takla sayyidiya shalonida. That there's two ways of looking at this interdiction against knowing anything. I can say, I'm never going to try and experience or know anything. I'll have no grasp because in the end, I'm not going to have a grasp anyway. And then what one holds with themselves is this boring sense of, okay, there's no grasp, so I might as well have no effort. What the Baal Shem Tov is telling us is that engage in every attempt at grasp, every attempt at human knowledge, rage forth in the attempt to cover the horizon of what appears to be impossible and reveal that that which appeared to be impossible is possible and that just uncovers a further impossibility in the relative positioning to what my possibility is now. That in spite of the fact that I can never come to the full horizon of where HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence expresses itself in a graspable way, I can come to this notion over and over and over. I can fall back into the notion, oh, I can know everything as a human being. And then I could remind myself, I don't know anything. And then I could attempt again to know everything. And then I don't know anything again. Because the distinction here is in spite of the fact that you're going to leave me in the end of the day, either way, both positions bring me to a place of not knowing you. But Tairasi Shamru means that you will now have the schar of the process. You will have gone through infinite moments of thinking that one can grasp it and then coming in touch with their own most humanity, which is referred to as emuna, the fact that in the end of the day, I don't know, rather than just living with some generalized, diffuse sense of unknowability, which leads to a languishing of the spirit. The secret of unity that is expressed in the second way of serving Hashem through the Torah is perpetually trying to know and coming to a place of unknowing and then trying to know again because every ceiling is the point of unknowing. When I come to the ceiling, I don't know anymore. But then it's revealed that that ceiling is a floor of the next level, which is an attempt to know something. And then I come to the ceiling of that level, which is not knowing again. And the ignorance, rather than being the death of knowledge, is the impetus towards more knowledge, knowledge of Elokus, a closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because no matter how far Hashem remains, we perpetually continue to come closer and closer as the infinite recedes slightly more. That's the secret of Halavai Oisi Azu B'Tarasi Shamru. Okay, you're not going to grasp me in the end of the day. But nevertheless, allow every opportunity of one's life to operate with the all-too-human desire to grasp, to know, to be a chacham, to have insight, to have control of the situation, to have done everything I could possibly do, but then come to a point of Mesir's Nefesh where I give myself over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the painful and powerfully pleasant experience of recognizing that I don't know anything at all. I thought I was wise, but it has come to my attention that I know absolutely nothing. This is the secret of the Baal Shem Tov's Yard site being on Shavuos. 
The Baal Shem Tov didn't say not to learn the Torah, God forbid, just as the Vilna Gon didn't say not to be happy or to daven. Both are unifying to one another. What the Baal Shem Tov is saying, learn Torah in a new way. Come to a place where you understand that, that you don't know. Own at the very outset that all I have is emuna, And once I have the ground of emuna, let me set out with every ounce of my effort to know you, Hashem, as well as I can, to know myself as well as I can, and to accept that at the apex of this moment of awareness, I will come back to the ceiling of emuna. There were tzaddikim who would learn and learn the Ziddish of tzaddikim when they were learning Eitz Chaim. They would learn it over and over and over again to the point of precision, and then they would continue learning it enough to come to the place of understanding that they had no idea what they had learned. As Rav Hanan Wasserman and Hashem Yom Komdomo says that the Torah of God is still perfect. The Torah of God is still perfect. It is untouched, even with everything that has ever been written and everything that will be written. It remains ungraspable. And the wisdom, the Chachma of Amuna, is not just running straight into Amuna without any possibility of complication of self, but rather to move through each and every ounce of the attempts of complication of grasp in this world, and to allow every moment to become an encounter with godliness. The Misnagdim, at a certain point, not the Vilnagon, but people who had received secondary information, the ripple effects of the Machlokas Benat Sadikim, which is Koydesh HaKadoshim, Mibayn Shnei that all one can do is stand back and witness the powerful encounter between the Levyasan and the Shor Habar, the Sadikim that are hidden and the Sadikim that are revealed, the Balshem Tov HaKadosh and the Vilnagon, Mashiach Ben Yosef and Mashiach Ben David. These secrets are things that we can just stand back and witness with amazement of the power of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself in this world. One of the things that the Misnagdim would say about the Hasidim is Hasidim learn in Nisht. Hasidim don't learn. Hasidim learn in Nisht. Hasidim do not learn. They don't study Torah. Again, highlighting the question of why is the Balshant of Ziyar said in Shavuos. But the Tzadikim, as Rabbi Meyer Morgenstern Shlita points out, would transform this insult into a bracha. And they would say, yeah, vada, chasinin learn in nisht. What are we learning? We're learning nisht. We're learning the secret of nothingness. We're learning the secret of ayin. We're learning the secret that kedushasi l'malam kedushasechem. Chasidin learn in nisht. We come to a place of being aware over and over that there's nothing that I understand. All there is is amunah. And the Vilna Gon says the same exact thing at the apex of the Torah. All there is is tzniusa. All there is is that which is concealed, not because we're hiding something, because it's hidden in plain sight. It can't be revealed. It's the irreducible center point of the base, which the Vilnagon says contains the entirety of the Torah, to come to a place of bitl, of bitl like the black dot of the mind and its attempt to attend to attenuate its mind and all of its energy into one particular point. Hasidin learn in nisht, and this is why the unification of Shruis is the mikvah and the Sharhanun, the secret of coming to that place of not knowing. The secret of coming to that place of after all is said and done, after all of the mem tes, panim tamar, and panim tameh. After all of the tw the 49 days of Sphira and the counting and the attempt to know and this Sphira and that Sphira and all of the meditations imaginable, coming to Shavuos like a child, like a child who is yoinik meshadei imo, that is nursing from its mother. The milk of childhood, the milk of ignorance, that place where a person comes to realize, as Rabbi Nachman says, Libi chalal I'm empty, I have nothing. Not because I'm broken or because I don't deserve everything, but because Hashem is the only thing. Hashem is the only thing. And then we can understand why it's the art set of David Malka Mashiach, the secret of Malchus, which has everything, it feels like nothing. It's the lowest that is revealed to be the highest. It's the Chachma Vemuna. It's the secret of Maisa Merkava. It's the secret of, of pushing oneself into the darkness of nighttime and finding faith of awakeness in there. 
And with this, we can enter into Shruas with the secret of Hasidin learning Nisht, the attempt to know everything, but to come to a place of Nisht, to come to a place to go through every amount of Cain and Yesh and Yesh and Yesh to understand, but at the end of every moment of Yesh to come to a place of Nisht. And then to go from that nisht to another yesh. And then from that yesh to another nisht. Aniva ayin bevasachas. The self and nothingness at once. And with this secret, we can enter into the sha'ashuan of Torah, to the secrets of bringing the kishut and the malka, the jewels for the, for the shekhinah hakadoshah, where all we're trying to do is to beautify nothing. We're trying to give different phrases, different ways of accessing the same point of nothing. The silent Aleph that was expressed as the sum total of anything that could ever be expressed at Harsinai. The silent Aleph of nothing, of Ephes, of Ephes Zulaso, of Enon Mavadoksid. And with this, we can enter into the Avoid of Hasidin Lernanish that we learn over and over the secret of nothingness, and we can enter into the place of Bittal and Shiflus and to be right to receive the Torah, Bezra Sashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.